Last time I spoke, we, we talked a little bit about fruitfulness, and uh, we're going to touch a little bit on that today, but in a different vein. Um, my, my wife is celebrating a birthday this week, and I'm not going to tell you which birthday that is, um, but we also celebrated an anniversary this month. So July is a, a, a really exciting month for, for me because I have two things that I have to remember. <laughs> I have to remember an anniversary and a birthday, and for me, it's, that's not too difficult. Um, but I'm going to actually talk about this morning about forgetfulness, fruitfulness, and faithfulness. Forgetfulness, fruitfulness, and faithfulness. And, you know, sometimes we can be forgetful on some things like birthdays and anniversaries, and, you know, maybe there's... Sometimes a little bit of a consequence to that. And forgetfulness can be kind of interesting. Um, when my wife and I were getting prepared to come to China, uh, this is kind of an embarrassing story to tell you, um, but when, when you're moving and you're uprooting things and you're going, sometimes your mind goes a little quirky, you know, and you're, you're like, what's not keeping up with everything? So we had already packed everything up, and we were getting ready to go, and we were running errands and doing this and that, and we had, we were, we had a, a Toyota minivan, and we were driving this Toyota minivan everywhere. We were still making the last trip to, to Salvation Army and, and this and that, and uh, we had friends coming over that were going to help us get to the airport, and we had already had arrangements for our van, and so we, we, we parked the van across the street, from our house in, in a place that we normally don't park it because we usually just park it in our driveway. So we park it across the street and we wanted to leave room for our friends to come with another vehicle and load all our stuff and we're gonna, we were gonna ride in our van. And so we got all this taken care of and um, we pull around, we get their car loaded and we pull our van in, we get that loaded and we're all ready to go. And then we all get into our van now keep in mind, um, we're going to the airport, and this is kind of a big thing. And we're in our van that is now parked in the driveway because we've loaded it up, and we're about to pull out of our driveway sitting in the van. Now I'm sitting in the passenger seat. My friend's driving, so I'm not usually sitting in the passenger seat. My wife is behind me. She's usually not sitting behind me in the passenger seat. She's usually sitting where I'm sitting. And so we're in the van, and we start pulling out of the driveway, and we realize, wait, and we look, and we look back behind us to where we had parked our van before, as we were sitting in our van, and we look, and we're like, oh, wait, our van's gone. Where is our van? Oh, wait. Oh, we're sitting in it. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> and just for that brief moment, you had this panic of, Wait, we forgot something. We didn't take care of something. We, oh, all to realize that we were sitting in the van all along. So you can see how forgetfulness can kind of throw you off a little bit. Well, as I was reading through um, 2 Peter chapter 1, I was actually been studying this passage for a little while in preparation for next semester with our school. And this is a, a passage that God, I really believe, had given me for... Um, our vision and mission for the school uh, this next semester and was kind of reading through it and something jumped out at me that I hadn't noticed before. 
And God kind of took me, took that, and um, then took me on a little trip in through Hebrews, and then came back to it. And that's kind of the journey that I want to take you on this morning, is kind of what, what God really spoke to me through this passage. And I want to relate that of how um, forgetfulness, fruitfulness, and faithfulness is, is weaved through this passage. So we're going to take a look at Second Peter. We're actually going to take a look at the end of the passage. I don't know if you've ever done this. If you ever read through the Bible and you're just kind of reading along and, yeah, yeah, okay, I got that, and all of a sudden something jumps out and you're like, whoa. And you, you look at it and you go, wait a second, what is that talking about? And you kind of have to go back a little bit. And you go, wait, is it, what is that talking about? You kind of have to go back a little bit more. We're going to do that a little bit with Second Peter this morning, okay? So bear with me. We'll wrap it all up in the end, but, but follow along with me, okay? So let's take a look at Second Peter chapter 1, and I want to start in verse 8 and 9, okay? 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 8 and 9. It says this, For you possess these qualities in increasing measure. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. And that phrase just jumped out at me. Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. I thought, whoa, have you ever done that? I've done that. Have you ever been in a place where you're just kind of, oh, I just blew it again. Man, I just lost my temper at my kids and I am the worst dad ever. Oh man, there's that temptation and I just, I just couldn't get past it. Have you ever been in that place and you kind of just, ugh, it just gets at you? and it gnaws at you, and then the enemy starts to twist it and starts to play with your mind about that sin? Well, this is, I think, where there's where a place where we can learn from, is that when we forget that we have been cleansed for our past sins, it actually impacts our fruitfulness. This verse starts off, if you possess these qualities, well, what qualities is he talking about? So let's go back up a, a couple of scriptures, and let's, talk of, let's look at what qualities that we should possess that forgetting we have been cleansed from our sins is keeping us from growing in and, and actually causing us to be ineffective and unproductive in our fruitfulness. So let's go back up to 2 Peter chapter 1. Let's look at verse 5 and 7. It says this, for this very reason... Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection or brotherly kindness, and to mutual affection love. Now this sounds a lot like the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't it? Isn't this like some fruitfulness of what God wants to do in and through us that really if we get tied down in thinking about our past sins and forgetting that we've been cleansed from those sins, it's going to impact our fruitfulness. So, a scripture that I always like to go to when I think about my sin and my struggles and how I'm falling short is a scripture in 1 John, 1 John 1.9. In 1 John 1.9, I often read this way. If we confess our sins, he is merciful and gracious and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 
Does your translation say that? If we confess our sins, He is merciful and gracious and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't say that, does it? Does your, does your version say that? That's how I read it. Oftentimes, I take a look at this scripture, and I read this scripture as, God, please be merciful. Please be gracious. I, I need your forgiveness again. I blew it again. And if, if you were only, only gracious one more time, if, please don't give up on me. You know, I, I know I blew it again, but God, if you were just, just gracious and merciful, one more time, would you please, 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 please? But that's not what it says. What does it say? If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just. Faithful and just. So why does he say faithful and just and not merciful and gracious? Now, God is merciful. He is gracious. God is faithful and he is just. These are qualities of who God is. But in talking about our forgiveness of sin, why does it say faithful and just and not merciful and gracious? And this is where I kind of want to take us through a little bit of Hebrews. Because I think what God wants to do is God wants us to completely convince us to be absolutely positively sure without a doubt that when it comes to our sins, we are forgiven. That we don't have to come to him and say, God, if, if you would just one more time be gracious and merciful to me. But God is actually faithful and just. And let's get, I want to unpack that faithful and justness a little bit more. So we're going to take a look at Hebrews, and there's three spots in Hebrews that I want to go over, and it's actually kind of really cool, um, that talks about how God wants to convince us and make absolutely sure that we are, without a shadow of a doubt, absolutely secure in our forgiveness of sins. Now. If I am dealing with somebody and I want to have absolutely certainty about something, um, oftentimes when we're buying a car, buying a house, doing this kind of things, maybe I'm contracting somebody to do some work for me, we're going to have an agreement and it's going to be written down, right? If I buy my house, the bank wants to be absolutely sure that they're going to get reimbursed. I want to be absolutely sure that they're not going to take it from under me as long as I've got do what I'm supposed to do. So there's terms and conditions, and we call these things contracts, right? And so in our worldly system, we'd use contracts. Back in the time of, of um, Moses and, and Abraham and this kind of stuff, it was kind of similar, but it was actually, what, covenant, right? And that's actually much, much stronger than even our contracts today. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time going into covenant stuff. But that's how, if you want to be absolutely sure about something, you're going to enter into a covenant or a contract. And so when we go to Hebrews, we're actually going to see that God did this. Not once, not twice, but he wants to reinforce it three times. And I'm going to look at that. Um, the first thing that I want to look at is in Hebrews 6. And again, God is... We think about this and we think about the promise that God gave to, to Abraham and to Moses, 
and throughout, really, history of God's intention to bring about close relationship with Him, forgiveness of His sins through Christ Jesus. And so we're actually going to look at um, here in this uh, Hebrew 6 about God coming and bringing an oath and coming into this absolutely certainty of an agreement. And so it says this in verse 16. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question that an oath is binding, God also bound himself with an oath so that those who receive the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. There are two unchangeable, two unchangeable, immutable things. God has given us both his promise and his oath. And with these two things that are absolutely unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. So here's a first example of God coming into a contract with all of humanity, with all of creation, with all of us who would be under his authority, who would give our lives to him, that he is absolutely, without a doubt, unchanging in his commitment for our grace and our mercy and our forgiveness of sins. The second part that we see is actually in the next chapter in Hebrews 7. And it says this, the former regulation set aside because it was weak and useless. So now this is talking about uh, the law of Moses, right? And all of the ritualistic things of cleansing sin in the temple and all of that. All of that now has gone away because Christ is now our propitiation for sins. It, he is our payment for sins. And that a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Again, we're reinforcing his oath. That others became priests without an, oath, without an oath, but he, Jesus, became a priest with an oath. And when God said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. Because of his oath, Jesus has become a guarantor of a better covenant. Okay, so now it's the second time. First, God makes a covenant, and he says, I'm going to swear on by my word and by this oath, that I, and I do not change my mind. I cannot lie. This is the covenant I'm having with you. And now we see it again in Jesus, and he is reinstating, he is instating Jesus as our priest, and that he will again, Jesus will be our priest forever, and God will not change his mind. So are you starting to see why faithfulness, him being faithful and just, is coming a little bit clearer? I want to look at one more thing. We took a look at God being an oath. We took a look at Jesus, the Son, becoming the guarantor of our better covenant. And now we're going to see it again with the Holy Spirit. I think this just blows me away. In Hebrews 10, verse 15, and this goes back to the scripture we read earlier in Jeremiah. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. For he says, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and write them in their minds. 
And then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Now, there's a couple of things that strike me about this that I want to point out. One, we first talked about God with his promise and an oath is unchangeable, and it's impossible for him to lie. Second, we see Jesus, that God has sworn him as our priest forever, and that Jesus is our guarantor of our covenant forever. And now we see the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a promise. The Holy Spirit is part of that promise that God gives to us, that we now have his spirit. We now have his law in our heart. We now have within us God. He is, we are his temple. And another thing about, I think about this passage that just blows me away is that we started off with forgetfulness, right? And how forgetfulness can kind of really impact our fruitfulness. Well, here we say God has got some forgetfulness, but it's not ineffective. It's not causing inefficiency. His forgetfulness is actually for our benefit. That God does not even remember your sin. He's forgotten it. It will be remembered no more. So with these three areas, God is faithful to his promise, and he is just. If God were to ever change his mind, that would cause him to be unfaithful to his word. If God were to ever change his mind, he becomes unjust because he's broken his oath. He's broken his promise. So we can, with absolute certainty, rest in his provision for the forgiveness of our sins, once and for all, forever. And he remembers them no more. So God is faithful, and he is faithful to his promises. His promises of how we are righteous in his sight, his promises of how he provided for us, and also in his promise of the Holy Spirit being in us. So let's go back to that, because we kind of started back at uh, verse 8 and 9, and then kind of backed up to 5 and 7. So let's look at 5 and 7, because actually... 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 and 7 also kind of has an introductory statement that I want to go back to and look at as well about our fruitfulness. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 and 7 says this, For this very reason, what reason? We're going to find that out in just a moment. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and all of this really good stuff, fruitfulness of the Spirit, right? Okay, so for what reason? So let's go back up to the next verse and see what that's about. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 5. Hmm. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. I'm going to insert that he is faithful and just to keep. 
so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. So actually where First Peter starts us off is where I'd like to end us. Is that not only has God given us his promise through Abraham, through Christ, through his Holy Spirit, and we can be absolutely certain of our position with him, but also his promise of the Holy Spirit. And that by his Spirit in us, we have the very divine power of God and everything that we need. And because of his glory and goodness, we can participate in the very divine nature of God. So how do we do that? By his Spirit. Not by how many attaboys and pats on the back that I can achieve. Not by how many times I don't get angry at my kids. Although that's a fruit, right? God calls us to be, go from glory to glory. God is constantly working on us and we're becoming more like him. We're not sinless, but we sin less. I've heard it said. He is always faithful to completely forget our sin so that we can be fruitful in him. And so it's in that place of being surrendered to his spirit, to his voice, to his leading, that God can, through his spirit, produce that fruit in us. And if we ever get caught, or the enemy ever tries to get at you and say, oh, well, what about that? What about this? You can say with absolutely certainty that God doesn't remember it, that Christ has paid for it once and for all, and that we have no condemnation. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, yeah, that happens a lot to me, and maybe I'm not in a place where I actually have received God's grace yet. And I need that. Well, now's your opportunity to surrender to him and say, it's, I can't do it anymore. Father, I need, I need your forgiveness, Jesus. And by his gift and by his atonement, by his cleansing us, forgiving us of our sins, his spirit can live in us and through us. Maybe you're at that place where you need to say for once and for all, okay, I'm going to receive your grace. I don't feel like I deserve it, and we don't, but it's a free gift, and God wants to give that free gift of grace to you. Maybe we, we understand this grace, but we just need to be reminded of it again every once in a while. Sometimes we forget. Ah, Sometimes we just need to remember that God has already paid our price. Jesus was the final sacrifice. There is no more sacrifices. It's done. It's finished. And maybe we just need to be reminded that, you know, it's not by our power. It's not by our willful desire that we can conjure up being good. It's actually by his spirit and being filled with him. And spending that time with God each day and say, Father, I need more of your spirit. 
Remember, as Paul said, we've got to be filled with the Spirit every day, constantly, again and again. How do we do that? By thanksgiving, by worship, by praising, by recognizing who He is, and He can flow through us. Let's pray. Father, I'm, it's not lost on me that uh, our forgetfulness can be detrimental, but your forgetfulness of our sin is actually our advantage. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you remember our sins no more. Lord, that we are completely free from the bondage of sin. And Lord, that when the enemy tries to bring condemnation, that we can stand up to that and we can be reminded and remind ourselves, Lord, of your faithfulness, Lord, that you are just, and that that penalty has already been paid. There is no debt. We're free and clear. And that freedom allows us, Lord, for your spirit to be in us. That freedom allows your spirit to work in us, to change us to be more like you through the power of your divine nature that you have made available to us, that you have promised us. Lord, you are a father that gives, give, that gives good gifts and your very spirit and nature in us is that very good gift. Lord, you're a father that loves us, that when we ask for bread, you don't give us a stone, but you give your spirit. So, Father, help us to remember that daily. Help us to daily invite your spirit to work in us and be your hands and feet to those around us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.